Thank you. Well, this is a very comfortable microphone, but sometimes they bring problems too. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes you you kind of look for the old stuff, but this is this is comfortable. Well, I'm glad to be here this morning, and um, I know, except the very very new ones, anyone that, anyone that has been in this church possibly for the last six months may not know me, but anyone that has been here for over a year at least has met me once. Because basically I come here at least once a year, and we've been coming here for the last 30 years almost. Uh, the Lord has been good. Actually, those of you who know um, the Van, Bask uh, Van Baskaks, all his children have been born since we knew them. So I knew them before they had all those kids from Christopher, so you can imagine that's a long time. So we've known all their family all these many years. It's been a blessing. Uh, if I can speak English this morning, and if you understand me speaking, it's because my brother taught me in high school. So that's my teacher there. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <coughs> he was um, a high school teacher for, the la for over 20 years, and then he retired and uh, doing other things, training people in Africa. And uh, they've been married with his wife, Phyllis, for the last uh, probably 35 years or so, 37 years. And so, and uh, then they have nine children, and uh, uh, how many grand? And eight grandkids. So you can imagine that's a lot of. My mom went to, to be with the Lord. Some of you remember my mom went to be with the Lord just about um, two, three months ago, and she left 90 of us. 90, because she, she left the four of us, and then he has nine. My two sisters have seven each, and I have five. That's 28. And then the 28 have 46. And then the 46 have just started having children, so they have two. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm sure by the time the 46 have children, all of them, they'll be close to 200 and more. So it's really a family that's growing really, really very fast. But um, God has been good to us. It's their first day in, in, a, in, a, in a, not only in Ohio, really, but in America. They just came two days ago into New York. They got stuck there because their, their luggage got, was left in, in some place in Eastern Europe, Istanbul. And so they didn't have all their clothes. And uh, then uh, last night, I had to go back to Cincinnati. I came here, met with uh, the pastor and another friend, and then I had to drive back to Cincinnati to pick them. So we got back around 11.30 in the last night. But it's their first service in America. So however you behave today, that's what they would think Americans behave in church. <laughs> they've never been to any other, country, I mean, any other church, so this is all they think, you know. So you better, better behave well. <laughs> so, that's all they know. This is all they know of, uh, of the American church. Uh, well, this morning I want to share, and uh, by the way, before I share, but you can turn to the book of Job 22 as well. I'll be sharing from, and I'll, I'll ask you to stand and read it in a moment. But before I do that, let me just share quickly, because we don't have much time, but I can share on a few pr prayer requests. All of you know that's how I always do when I come here, because this church has been our support base for forever, really. Uh, we've grown together. I came to this church when we didn't have this facility. It was the little white church across here from the parking lot. That, that was all. That was the church. And it was called Salem White Church. That was the name. And I was concerned when I had Salem White Church. I thought, well, I didn't know whether I was welcome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the congregation there, you know, received me. We had a wonderful time. Not very many of you are here from those days. But at least uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time. Actually, this morning I was expecting a friend of mine that used to worship here 20-some years ago. I don't reach, see him, but probably he'll be here in, a, in the second service, uh, Sean Richendola. 
He's been our friend for years, and I met him here about 20 years ago, and he's coming to worship with us probably in the next service. But the Lord has been good over these many years, and uh, at that time, I was serving with the Assemblies of God, and I was, uh, after that, I became the district superintendent of the city of Nairobi, the capital city of Kenya, and served for a while, and then the Lord led us to start a little fellowship. We didn't know to how, which direction was going to go. As, as you well know, the Lord does not usually show you everything about your future. He leads step by step, which is good because that's how you learn to trust him uh, to, to, to lead you along. So he opened a, a fellowship for us, and we, we walked in. And I'm glad he did not show me every step because some steps have been very difficult. We have had some very rough storms over the last uh, 13 years since we founded that fellowship. Actually, right now, there's still some of that that's going on. We need your prayers. Uh, so we, we began that fellowship. Now it has grown to cover five nations in Africa from that one little congregation. We have over 200 congregations now, and uh, we are going even to more. There's a group of churches in Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, that have asked me if we could start working together. They want to come under our covering, and if they do, that will make it 250 churches because they are coming as a big uh, group of churches there. So please pray that the Lord will help us to know how to make that transition. Every time the, the work grows, that is very glorious. When we report about it, and you feel like, wow, the ministry is growing. But for me, that means more work. Because when you are an overseer and you have to think about uh, fundraising and building churches and so on and so forth, training the pastors, it means much more work. For example, this year, and I know the pastor has mentioned and he will, be, he will continue mentioning because we need prayers, we need funding, uh, this year, uh, we are going to another level we have not gone before. Normally, I do one conference per year for the leaders. I sponsor it, and normally one conference costs me about between five to $7,000. But this year, we are not doing one, we are doing two. So that means double the cost. So we're going to, to Burundi that he mentioned. It's a little country in Central Africa. If you know a little bit of African history, you may remember there was a man called David Livingstone one of the greatest missionaries ever in, in the history of African missions. That is where an American by the name of Stanley went to look for Livingstone because the, all the newspapers were saying, well, David Livingstone may have died. We don't know where he is. There were no newspapers, no television. So this American guy said, okay, I'm going to look for him. And he did. He went all the way to Africa, went to the bush, uh, of uh, swamps and everywhere, and he actually he met him in Burundi. So I've been to the spot where they met. Uh, and, uh, of course, when he met him, most of you remember he said, oh, David Livingstone, I, I presume, because there was no other white person in the whole continent. So, so, <laughs> so they, they met there. So that's where we are going for a conference uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple of months. So we need your prayers because we are expecting a 1,000 leaders uh, from different churches. They will travel from Rwanda this week. Uh, by the way, I just got an e email last night after I left you uh, from Congo. They said they want to come. So we have leaders from Congo, leaders from Rwanda, and Rinda, uh, leaders from Burundi. We are all meeting in that uh, conference, and they are looking for us to go and impact them in leadership. Now, I used to take it for granted years ago. I guess when you are young, there are things you take for granted. But now, every time I stand before leaders, I realize, like, especially in Africa, that they are looking for me to tell them how to be leaders. And sometimes, those pastors I meet that's the only conference they have the whole year. See, here in America, you have conferences, even sometimes even on t television, you can switch on and hear some leaders teach you and so on and so forth. Some of the pastors will be teaching 
that will be the only conference the whole year. So I'm starting to really feel a big burden, and, and, I, and I need your prayers, because when you stand there teaching and training, you are eight. You are the only person they expect to show them how to be a leader. And so we, we, it's a big responsibility. So please remember to pray for us, intercede for us. Uh, when we are going from one country to the other, uh, two years ago when I went to see the Burundi pastors, I had a little meeting that time, not as big. Uh, we got stuck in Europe. We were going, I was so excited, we got to Brussels, Belgium, and I was so surprised. I thought every, every country in Europe is wealthy, because Western Europe is basically wealthier than Africa, but I found that Belgium, the Belgian airline has a few little planes, but only five play, big planes. Five only. And I said, oh my goodness. Because with Delta Airlines, you are thinking of hundreds of airplanes. Well, Belgian airline has five big planes, five only. So when one of them is not doing good, you don't have anything to go anywhere. So we got stuck there in the airport. We couldn't go to Central Africa, and so we had to stay overnight. So please pray. Some of those things will happen. And I have come to realize that when you, know, when you start understanding missions and spiritual warfare, it is not just a mechanical thing. Sometimes the enemy of our souls will cause things to happen, to delay, because he knows when you get there, there's something that's going to happen. So we need those of you who know about seek, touching God and praying, please do, because those kind of things happen. You'll be doing something, and all at once, something drugs, delays, and those things cause you not to be as effective. So please, if you can, intercede for our conference. And then when we get to Kenya on the, 5th of, uh, on the 3rd of August, we will plan for a big fundraiser on the 5th of August. And the idea is we were planning to build a building about as big as this church. And uh, excuse me, we have already started the basement. We have put the pillars. We are now trying to raise funds to put the, the slab, the metal uh, concrete uh, slab that's costing about $30,000. By God's grace, and I now can say because Richendola has not arrived, I can talk about him now. Uh, uh, Sean Richendola and his wife, some of you know Sean, those of you have been here longer, they were going to go for their, I think, 15th wedding anniversary, or 10th, I don't remember. No, I think it's 15th. And uh, they said, um, no, 20th. And so they said, we will not go for our 20th wedding anniversary. We want to bless your work with that money. So the money they were going to use for their anniversary, $5,000, they are bringing that check today to give through this church to, to be sent to Africa for our building. Amen. So we are so happy. And so <clears throat> I am not going to start a new theology, but some of you who are thinking about uh, your anniversaries, please. <laughs> Anyway, whatever the Lord will say to you, but you know, we are so happy because, I mean, if, if every one of us can bless that way, I mean, we will do that project so, so easily. So the money that we have received already is $15,000 from three sources. One couple, a little church in uh, the hills of uh, the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia give 5000 and then Red Rich and Dollar give 5000 Another couple, of, uh, a little church in uh, central Ohio give another 5000 So we believe God will bring the funding in. Amen. I'm sharing this because this is a church, you love us, you've been supporting us, and it's wonderful to know what is happening. So that's where we are. We are believing God. This is a big project. It will cost us about $400,000. We don't know how it's going to come in, but we know God is faithful. Amen. He's been with us for this many years, and he will continue being with us. Just like the pastor says, the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. We can always run into it even when the challenges of life come. Amen. Let's stand up and read from the book of Job. 
I will share for the next few moments on a message I want to call the blessing of divine acquaintance. The, the blessing or the benefits that come when you acquaint yourself with the Lord, when you allow the Lord to be close to your life. I know I may not even share all the notes that I've prepared for, for you this morning. It's the first time I'm preaching from this chapter. So it's a history. It's kind of interesting. For the last three or four times I've come to this church, the Lord always gives me a new message that I've not preached before. And that's a bit scaring too, because we don't know which direction it goes. We just, we just trust the Lord. Now, uh, Job, Job, the book of Job, uh, 22 from verse 21. Now, it's kind of interesting. These, book, these words were not spoken by Job. They were spoken by one of his friends that the scripture doesn't say very good things about. But uh, he said words that were very powerful. And I want, even as we read them, to understand them this way. He was talking to Job as though he thought Job was a sinner. But the things he said, he said, if you could be a friend to God, this is what should be happening to you. So he couldn't understand fully what Job was going through. But the words he said have a lot of meaning anyway. You know, it's only that he didn't know Job, but as far as what he advised, it's a powerful advice. Uh, he says this in, uh, from verse 21, Job 22, 21. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, now acquaint yourself with him, that is with God, and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Receive uh, please instruction from his mouth and uh, lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you'll be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tent. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of offer among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer for him, uh, to him. He will hear you and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. Then they will cast you down and you say exhortation will come. And you will save the humble person. You will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, he will uh, be delivered by the purity of your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this word. We pray that you speak to our hearts and help us to learn to be acquainted with your ways. Help us to be close to you. So that, Lord, as we walk through life, we will just have uh, confidence that, yes, the one thing we know, just like like Paul, is that we have known you. We are confident of the knowledge of God and that it will help us to be all that you, we, you need and you want us to be. We give you glory and praises. We pray that you prepare our spirits and our hearts in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's be seated. He tells us in verse 21, he, he advises Job, he says, you need to be acquainted with God. And he says, when you do, some things will, will happen with you. When I was doing some research on this, I saw that uh, the word acquaintance has something to do, implies a degree of intimacy. Be close to God. Or be familiar. Make familiar. Uh, another thing I saw it says is, uh, have a more extensive, thorough knowledge of God. And then the amplified version. Normally I don't use the Amplified Version for my preaching, except when I am doing my study. But the Amplified Version said this, Agree with God and show yourself to be conformed to his will. 
So this is probably the best meaning when I'm talking about being acquainted with God. It's exactly the amplified version. In other words, get a knowledge of God that also helps you to be acquainted or to be conformed to his will. Amen. So when I'm saying about being acquainted with God, you see, you, you, whenever this, I, I just talked about the testimony of my relationship with your church here. This is not a church that only knows Armstrong Chege. No, no, no. This church, we've been together for 30 years. Definitely, you know me and I know you. And especially those that have been here for a long time. Eric Van Baskak was a very close friend of mine. Most of you would know. And so whenever he had issues, like even when they diagnosed him with the illness, among the first people he called was Armstrong Chege. He said, I, uh, this is what they said of me, and I want you to pray with me. And I remember he called me here. I came. I drove all the way from Kentucky. I came here, and we prayed with him. That is not just a friend that you know about. That's an acquaintance. It's somebody that you, you the, the, the intimacy, the, not, not just somebody you met on the way, and you said, oh, hello, how are you doing? Now, this morning, there are some of you that I will just meet, and I will not remember your name. Not because I don't like you, but because we just met this morning. You know, oh, my name is so-and-so, and, we, you know, we didn't get friends. But whenever you get to be close, to he, the, 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 the invitation in verse 21, uh, he's telling Job, my friend, uh, if only you could get to know him closely, be close and personal with the Father, some things will change about your life. I told somebody recently, I said, you know, I don't know where I have failed the Lord, but I said, I know there are some things probably have not been what I should be. Why? Because I came to know the Lord when I was 14 years old, in 1970. That means if I had really been acquainted with the ways of God, even if I'm not saying I'm a sinner or anything, but I think I should be walking on water. I mean, if you really acquaint yourself with the Father, things are going to change in your life. You cannot be the same if you really acquaint yourself with the Father. There are things that have to, to, give, to give way. Your life will be different. So whenever I have made mistakes, and my wife is here and she knows me very intimately, very closely, for the last that one year, we've been married for that one year, and she, she, she actually knows I'm not St. Paul or St. Peter. I'm not perfect. She knows I make mistakes and I'm not what I should be. But what I'm saying is that uh, uh, the, the, the advice that is being given here by this friend of Job, he's saying that probably some, the, this Eliphaz, some of the problems that come our way is because we have not been closely linked with the will of God. If there's a prayer and if there's something I'm going to challenge every one of us this morning, acquaint yourself with his ways. Get a personal knowledge with the Father. Now, the first thing I think when he's saying this, he says there's a lot of challenge these days where you can, whether you can really know God. But According to the scriptures here, it says that there is a way that I can know him. Look in the Bible, and we may not turn there, but if we can, 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, Paul says this, For this reason I also suffer many things, these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I love the words of Paul. He says, I know whom I have believed. It's not I think, I don't know. It's not like I hope so, but he says, I know whom I have believed. In other words, all other things. See, the knowledge of other things that we know in theology, you can know about God. 
And many people in America know about God. They know about Jesus. In the Islamic world, right now we're having a lot of conflict and crisis in the Islamic world, all of you know. But if you meet the average Muslim, they know about Jesus. They call him Isa bin Maria. Jesus, the son of Mary. They know because the Quran talks about Isa bin Maria. You meet the Hindu, they will know about, God, about Jesus. And you, you may find some Hindus who will say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Now, what they know is that they believe in, in him as one of the three and a half million gods. So he can be the, the millionaire god and so on and so forth. But what the invitation that the scripture is inviting us here is a personal knowledge of God where you say, I know whom I have believed. And what the writer is telling us is that that knowledge is a, a, a revolutionary knowledge. It's a knowledge that is transformational. I don't want just a mental knowledge of God. Because everybody does that kind of thing. I know God. But you see the knowledge that he's talking about here is, the, is, is an incarnational knowledge. Where God changes you to be more like him. In Romans chapter 8 verse 29, the scripture says that we are saved so that eventually we be changed to become like Jesus. Somebody say amen. That's the greatest desire. The purpose of God is that it's not that we know him up here. No, 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 no. It's that that knowledge will change us, just like the Amplified Version says, that the knowledge of God should be so real, so intimate, that it changes me. That God, uh, 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 that when I start walking and talking and whatever I do now anymore, it's no longer the Armstrong that used to be. I can say with Paul, it's no longer I, Armstrong, that lives, but, uh, but Christ that lives in me. And that the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. That, 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 that change, that change that comes by the knowledge of God. It's not just I, just I know him. I think our problem right now in and across America is that we have so many people who know about God, but they don't know him. Because a, a real knowledge of God calls for us to be changed. See, he says in verse uh, uh, Job 22, 22, the, the verse that follows there, he says that uh, the next thing, once you start knowing God, knowing God, he says when you know God, you've got to receive instruction from his mouth. Verse 22. What he's saying here is that you cannot say you know God and you're not listening to him. A knowledge of God also calls for me to be attentive to what he says. Because I have got to listen to his voice. I need to know. I need to be always ready to hear his voice. What is the Lord saying to me? I was uh, talking the other day about how I was surprised when I first came to America of how children used to, re used to respond here when they are called. Whenever most children are called in America by anybody, they always say, What? Now, my brother is here and he's from Africa. He has just come. If his, he calls one of his children and the child, instead of answering, say, saying yes, daddy, or yes, mom, instead of that, they go like, what? They'll be in big trouble. In our culture, that's the rudest thing that a child can do. You don't say, what? No, you, you respond by an obedient tone. You say, yes, daddy, yes, mom, what are you, what are you, what are you saying to me? Now, I'm not saying that the American way is wrong or right. That's not the point because I'm not even from here. I, I'm still learning the American culture. But what I'm saying is even with God, he expects us that when he speaks, we listen. 
And, and, and it's not a question of just uh, like asking the what thing. It's like the yes, Lord, say, I'm listening, speak to me what you will. More like the, the advice that was given to Eli, the priest, when he told Samuel, Samuel, when you hear that voice again, say, yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is ready and listening. That should be our attitude. Amen. I'm willing. I'm waiting to hear from you. Here, Job, he says that uh, the knowledge of God, he says, acquaint yourself with his ways. But the first way to acquaint yourself is by opening your ear. That whatever he says, you do. I remember those words were spoken in, in John chapter 2, the first miracle that Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. Remember that story? They called Mary, they said, you know, uh, and they said, uh, you know, what can we do? We don't have wine. And I guess Mary is looking uh, and, and kind of wondering, why are you coming to me? Mary said, no, 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 you don't understand. See that guy there? Go to him. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Remember those words? I love those words, and I like telling them, especially to, to Catholics. No, it's, really, really. Because they went to Mary. Mary says, I don't have it. I don't know what you're talking about. Go to that fellow. Whatever he says to you, do it. Amen. The instruction here is, an acquaintance with God is, whatever Jesus tells you, open your ears. What he says, you do it. And I think that's why sometimes we don't see miracles and signs and wonders happening in our lives because most of the times we are not opening ourselves to hear. Here he says, acquaint yourself to him by first of all listening to what he says. Quickly, let me go to the next uh, uh, verse. Verse 23. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity from your tent. So there has to be some changes. And an acquaintance with God, he says, is not just saying, oh, uh, I, I, I know God. He says, no, no, no. This, this fellow, I mean, he had good principles. He says, now, if you want to acquaint yourself with the Lord, he also comes with requirements. There has to be a change of life, a change of standard. You cannot live the way you used to be. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he remains the same. <laughs> If any man in Christ, he's, he remained that the way he has always been. No. If any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has to go. The sin that you, 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 we have allowed in our lives, even in, in the book of Hebrews, we are right now in my family doing the book of Hebrews 12. He says, I, there are some sins that easily beset you. The things that are in your life that have been bothering you. That, he says, those have to go. Old things have been passed away. That's the advice here. He says, hey, if you want to acquaint you, an acquaintance with the Father means I have to repent of my sin. And you notice it's not your sin, it's my sin. I have to admit of my wrong ways. I have to say, Lord, I need you. Now listen, most of the times when you talk about repentance, you think you're pointing the finger. No, all of us need to repent. Because we are not comparing ourselves with each other. Now, if I were to compare myself with my brother Stanford here, we would compare because we know each other all our life. He, he's known me all my life. He's 11 years older than me. He saw me when I was a baby. But we are not talking about comparing notes, no. We are talking about a holy God. Isaiah chapter 6, the angels in heaven are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 also says the same. The elders in heaven are saying, Holy, holy is the Lord. 
So when we are talking about that kind of uh, triple holiness, then none of us stands holy before the Lord. Because God is perfectly holy. Actually, when you know, when you get that acquaintance with the Father and understand his holiness, his righteousness, his power, his glory, it will call for all of us every single morning to say, Father, cleanse me, forgive me. Because his holiness is so powerful, so holy. I've been serving the Lord now for the last 41 years since Jesus saved me in 1970. But even earlier on, I used to think, you know, just take it easy. But of late, I find that every single day I'm saying, Lord, cleanse me. Because when you, when you really acquaint yourself with, the, with who God is holy, I mean, who he is, you see his holiness, his power, his glory, his perfection, and it leaves you to say, oh, Lord, cleanse me. Because that's the only way. He says, for you to be acquainted with the Father, and for that to be a blessing to you, you go to, a place to have to forsake your sin. He says, remove iniquity to be far from your tent. From yourself. Of course, tent here is talking about your family, your home, and the things you are. And if you are like Job, Job was almost, almost a perfect man. And the Bible says that every single time he would go before the Lord, not just for himself, but for everything that was about him, his children. Remember, the scripture says he'd go before the Lord and intercede. And the Bible says he, he didn't wait for them to sin. He didn't wait until they were in college and taking drugs and messing around so that he could pray for them. No. The Bible says he would go before the Lord, and these were his prayers. Lord, I'm coming to you. I don't know whether they have sinned, but whether they have sinned or not sinned, I want to repent and cry and intercede for them just in case. Just in case. And I think that's the call of God for every child of God here. I think I'm happy that he mentioned the tent because the tent here is talking about the family. So he's not talking about just himself. Sometimes we pray selfishly. Lord, you know, and it's okay you're asking, Lord, forgive me. That's good. But how about interceding for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for your mother, for your brothers and sisters, interceding for them? I know my brother for a long time didn't go to church. He's right here. I interceded for him. I prayed. I cried to the Lord. Amen. You pray, you intercede for the, and God will answer. Sometimes it may take a few years, sometimes it may take a longer time. It doesn't matter, but God will come through for you. Amen. So you attend. In other words, he tells us, you know, the, the, the verse 21 says, acquaint yourself with him. When you do, he says, there will be peace. Now that's the thing we are longing for, all of us. We long for peace in your marriage, in your family, and everything else. But he says, this peace that you desire... That stability, that joy will only happen when you acquaint yourself with him. And one of the ways to acquaint yourself is repenting of sin, seeking forgiveness. But the good thing is, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Now, I love that verse. Probably you don't, but I love it very much. Because it leads me that anybody pointing at me and whatever any mistake I've ever made, I can always say, he doesn't say some sins. He says, oh, my unrighteousness. I one, one time I taught in a, a school of ministry in Pennsylvania, in Monrovia, Pennsylvania, about 25 years ago. That's about the time... I was visiting this church when it was little. <clears throat> we lived in Pennsylvania. My wife went to uh, Frigo's Bible Institute. And I taught in a little Bible school. And uh, then uh, we went back to Africa and came back to visit in 1979. And actually came and visited this church. 
Now, that time when I came back, <coughs> no, no, 89. I came in 1989. I came to visit here, and I, a certain lady was uh, said, oh, by the way, because I was her teacher, I said, oh, I got married, and would like to come and drive with you across America with my new husband. I said, well, wonderful. I have a driver. So they came, and they drove with me around here in, in Ohio, and we were preaching. And one time we were on our way to preach in Calvary Assembly of God in Ove, Ohio. I was the speaker that day, and they were driving me. And on the way, I asked them, I said, uh, by the way, and I don't want to call her name, but let's say she was just, let me call her Rhoda. Her name is not Rhoda. I, says, I, said, I turned to her and I said, Rhoda, um, when you were in Bible school, I met you in the Bible school. What, what were you before? What did you do before you came to the Bible school? And she turned to me and said, no, 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 no. You don't want to hear. You don't want to know. And she was a beautiful white girl, was one of the best Bible school students that I ever taught. And I said, what do you mean? You are one, you, you, you are one of our best Bible school students. Said, yes, but I, before that time, you don't even want to know who I was. I said, my goodness, what were you? And so she gave her testimony, and she was a street woman. She ran away from home when she was 13 years old, became a prostitute in the streets, lived in the streets for 10 years, messed around, did all kinds of things, picking diseases and everything out in there, then she came and found Jesus. And when I gave her a chance to testify at the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Ove, Ohio, is what she said. She said, I thank God that even though I was such a sinner, when the blood of Jesus came to me, it did not melt down. It cleansed me the way I was. It covered my sin. Oh, I was, I was just like, Wow! The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. The Bible says he cleanses us from all sin. All he's asking is for you to be humble enough to say, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. Acquaint yourself with his ways. There's no way, there's no way in the scriptures that you can say you are acquainted with his ways if you don't understand the ways of repentance. None. The ministry of John the Baptist begins with repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The ministry of Jesus begins with repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The ministry of the apostles in Acts chapter 2 begins with repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Every time God calls us to himself by telling us yes, he's not trying to show us that you are terrible sinners. No, he's saying welcome the way you are. But I'm willing, but Henry, you are not going to come and remain the way you are now, I'm going to help you change. And that's a good part. He says, well, whatever your sins are, I'll forgive you. In the Old Testament, that's the same message echoing in the Old Testament, where God says, though your sins be as red as scarlet, they shall be made. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, God says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen. That is God. If we are going to be acquainted with his ways, we have to allow that change. But the good part is he does not leave you to change yourself. No, he wants you to allow him to change you and to heal you and to restore you. So wherever we have been, an acquaintance with God will never happen unless we understand the holiness of God. We got to understand he's a holy God. He's inviting us to himself, but he has already made a way for us to return to him and be cleansed and be made healed. 
Now, another thing. Knowing, being acquainted with God also means agreeing with him totally. Agreeing with God totally. There's a Greek word that says homologeo, which means saying or agreeing with exactly what God has said. If you're going to be acquainted with his ways and receive healing, deliverance, anointing, wisdom, anything you desire, it means agreeing with him fully. You will never know true peace until your mind is fully at peace with the same things that please the Father. I want to repeat that again. You will never know true peace and joy until your mind is fully at peace with the same things that please the Father. Christianity is when you really know that I'm, being, I'm in tune with the will of the Father. Then when that begins, things happen and you get the joy. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So he'll give you his peace. Another answer, acquaint yourself with the way. In verse 27, the same chapter, he says, you will make your prayers to him and he'll hear you. I love this one also. When I acquaint myself, the benefits of acquainting myself, remember that's what we are doing this morning, the benefits of being acquainted with him. Once you have known him, the next benefit is that whatever you ask, he gives you. So first of all, it's lining your will with his will. Are we together? Line your will with his will. The next step is, from that point on, whatever you ask in his name is given to you. That's what he says. You acquaint yourself with the Father, and then he says there, then when you make your prayers, it will be done for you. Verse 27, God will make a way for you. See, most of the times we say, oh, God, I've been praying for this and this, and nothing seems to happen. And you are right, because you have not lined your will with his will. See, God does not answer every prayer. Oh, we, we may deceive ourselves. We may name it and claim it all we want. Aha. Uh -huh. It has to be with the things that are lined up with his will. So if I'm going to pray what I want to do, that's why I began with repentance, if you are following my message here. Because if I repent of my sins and then I line up my will with his will by the knowledge of the word, remember, listen to his instruction. When that is happening, I've, I've really repented of my sins. I am now lining up my, my will with his will by his word because I'm listening to his word. I'm, I'm doing what he's telling me to do. The next step then will be ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Because already now, I'm not just asking Armstrong desire. Because what happens when I allow the Holy Spirit to change me and he's changing me and changing and changing me, very soon it's no longer my will but his will. So whenever I'm praying now, that's why it is easy to command things. Situations will start happening because when I speak now, it's not just my will, but his will. Because eventually that will of God is taking over my will. And when my will is being crushed by his will, then the next thing is whatever I ask in his name will be done for me. That's why sometimes the healings and miracles that happen is not a question of whether the preacher was right or not right. Because it's not just the, the preacher's thing to say amen and, and let it be. It's also the, yours, your will has to be there too. The one who is being prayed for has also to line up his will with the will of the Father. See, that's when miracles start happening. When a church like this, the members themselves start lining their wills with the Father. The preacher lines his will with the Father. The deacons line up their wills with the Father. Then when you pray, that amen becomes a powerful amen. Things start happening, miracles and signs and wonders. 
because you have already lined up your will with the Father. Now, I have only five minutes. I need to finish up this. And I can't finish without this final one. In verse 22b, <coughs> he says, Thereby, good will come to you. Acquaintance with God brings unto us his favor. This is, <laughs> this is good. <coughs> when you acquaint yourself with the Father, he says there that event, the things start happening sometimes without you pleading for them. Listen to me. This is a beautiful part. Favor. Somebody say favor. When you are queen, you see, remember we first of all uh, repented of our sins, lined our will with his will, okay? And then we started praying. What happens is that eventually now we get to a place where the favor of God is in our lives. And when the favor is there, you don't have even to plead for it. There are sometimes God will do things even before you plead. He says, before you call, I will answer. Remember those words? Before you call, you, because you are now a child of favor. Because you have put yourself in his will. Your will is lined up with his will. So that whenever those things that you have always desired, sometimes you, don't, you are not even pleading with it. God will do
can happen in your life. As you line up your will with his will. When you have repented of your sins, you have called upon his holy name. He loves you. I told somebody recently as I was preaching in California, I said, look around. I said, don't, don't. The, you make you think, oh, God uses us. No, no, no. You are all that God has. In other words, if God is going to perform miracles and signs and wonders, if God is going to change the world, don't look anywhere else. It is you. We are it. We are the best that God has. Amen. Oh, you feel like, oh my goodness, me? Yeah. We are the best that he has. And it's you and me that he wants to change the world. What a joy. What a privilege. Acquaint yourself with his ways. Acquaint yourself with his word. Acquaint yourself with his person. Understand his holiness. And when you do so, favor will come upon your life. So much so that you start declaring a thing and it shall be done. Hallelujah. That is my, my, my challenge for you this day. And you can leave this place knowing that yes, I can declare something shall happen. Not because of me, but because of him. Because already I've allowed him to change me by his word. I've allowed him to change me. By his spirit. Let's go before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of being acquainted with you, being friends, being intimate. That this morning we can leave this church saying, I'm a friend of God. We can live here knowing that we, we are your friends and that. Uh, as we repent of our sins, and even right now, Lord, as we are praying right now, if there's some one of you that is feeling condemned, see, Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to give life and give you life abundantly. If you are feeling condemned,